0: And welcome to the Culture Swally, a podcast dedicated to Scottish news and culture. My name is Nikki, and I'm joined, as always, by the man who, the last time I saw him in person, punched me a pizza. It's Greg. <laughs> Happy New Year, Greg. How are you? I'm really well. We did have pizza the last time I saw you, didn't we? In the garden. I know we did. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what I said. You punched me I a did, pizza. Indeed. Aye, <laughs> you certainly did. How is everything going?
1: Good. I've um I have set myself up in a week my own little studio in the utility room of our house. Um so I'm in beside the cat's litter box, the washing machine, <laughs> The water cooler, which you can probably see behind me there. I'm a bit like uh I'm a bit like Philip Schofield in the 1980s, only without Gordon the Gopher and the repressed homosexuality.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'm in the spare room or as we refer to it as the dog's bedroom, because you could see there's his bed behind me. Yep. Um, He's got a bed in the lounge as well. Uh, most of the time during the day, he sleeps on our bed anyway, but he doesn't sleep in our bed at night. He's not allowed. The door's closed at night. Right. But uh, yeah, so there's nothing wrong with that yeah Uh, it's it's a we're we're a pet friendly podcast at the swally we
1: are i'll be um i'll be moving through to the spare room once my in-laws leave on the no i'm not moving into the spare room i mean to record i've not i'm not going through any (laughs) marital crisis or anything like that but i'll be moving in there i've set myself up in there but the thing is so, my in-laws leave on the 9th of February, and then we've got like a week or two, and then my Paula's friend is coming with her two children for five days. Mm. So, I need to decamp, and then our mutual friend arrives at the oh, yeah. on the 21st of March with his girlfriend. So, yeah, and I've, I've got no doubt that there'll be more relatives booking uh, a little holiday in Dubai. We've taken up our spare room slash My studio So we'll see how it goes I don't know I mean if If this goes well And it sounds good Um And maybe I'll just stay in here But uh We'll see how it goes I've um Santa Claus brought me a A microphone stand uh, With a pop mic And a Insulation wall, I guess you would call it, which fits onto the microphone stand. So, um, so for regular listeners, hopefully, I'll be sounding as good as Nikki <laughs> when this goes out. The <laughs> podcast comes out with uh, this episode's released into the wild.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. Well, very good. Okay. Well, it's obviously been a while, Greg. Obviously, we had our little best of the news special that went out last week. So, I hope you all enjoyed that, listeners. But it's been a while since we've actually spoken. So, so we have a little catch up and see what's been going on in Scotland in the news. Let's, uh, let's see what's been going on in the news. Cue the jingle. Hello! This is the Outer Hebrides Broadcasting Corporation, and here is what's been going on in the news. Okay, so it's twenty twenty two, so we're gonna have some fun news hopefully in Scotland. Everything's gonna be fine. There's gonna be no negativity or anything. So what have you seen that's caught your eye so far this year, Greg?
1: Um well it's been it's been a difficult uh sort of trawl through the news. To find sort of swally centric stories because it's all a bit miserable at the moment in Scotland. Could, this is uh, as as we're recording. It's the eighth of January, you know. So COVID's. Well, I'm not sure what wave we're on now. Omicron. Yeah, it's just all a bit miserable, but um, I have found a couple of little rays of sunshine through the misery clouds. Um, The first one uh, is from the Scottish Sun. Uh, It never lets us down. You can always find at least one story in the Scottish Sun. Um, It's from the 27th of December, so it's a couple of weeks old now. The headline reads, Costly crisp Loch Ness monster shaped snack on sale for more than £630,000. A snack in the shape of the Loch Ness Monster is on sale on eBay for more than £630,000, another of the Cheetos corn puffs of Nessie is more reasonable at just over £210. So there's a picture of it. I mean, it just looks like a Cheeto to me. I mean, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't really eat Cheetos. My daughter's occasionally like a wee bag. I'll sometimes pinch one off them. But it just it looks to me like all Cheetos. But apparently both are being sold from the USA with the most expensive of the snacks costing £633,784.44. The seller says, it is new (laughs) and adds, this Cheeto reminds me of Nessie the Loch Ness Monster. Upon examination of the Cheeto, you may or may not think it resembles Nessie, but I think it does. I did not make this, I found this in a Cheeto bag that I purchased for myself. For legal reasons, (laughs) I will not take a picture of the original bag, but yes, it will be included. I wouldn't recommend eating this item, it's more for collective purpose will be packaged and shipped with care, but I'm not responsible for any damage that occurs during shipping. I offer overnight shipping for the Cheeto. Cheetos are fragile. Please remain mindful to its delicate condition. Its appearance will change as time progresses. I highly recommend you purchase now while it's still in good presentable condition. I'll provide measurements upon inquiry." The pictures with the white background are the most recent pictures of the Cheeto. Please feel free to message me. Serious inquiries only. Must purchase at $100,000 or higher to own one of the world's most expensive Cheetos. Maybe you can set a world record. Final sale, absolutely no returns. Please purchase with confidence. The other Nessie Cheetos on sale for £217.54p And the seller says it stands up vertically. Definitely getting your money's worth there. So yeah, I mean, it seems like it seems serious. I had to be the 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 listing is on eBay at the time of recording. I can't imagine anybody parting with over half a million quid for a slightly cookie-shaped. Or nessie shaped uh, crisp?
0: No, I'd, I'd imagine this is one of these things that it's gone a bit viral and people are just bidding on it to kind of up the ante. And it's it's one of those stupid things. Uh, first of all, I would kind of dispute the fact that he says it's new because if it's in a bag he's purchased and he's opened it, mm-hmm. then it's already second hand. <laughs> right? You could say it's third hand, really, because if he's bought it from a retailer, then the retailer has bought it from the distributor, mm-hmm. and then he's bought it. So technically, it's a third hand. Cheeto. Yeah. so he's he's also touched it so i i can see why he's saying obviously don't eat it because who knows you know maybe he doesn't wash his hands after he's been at to the toilet Possibly. You so you're saying it doesn't look like nessie it just looks like a cheeto does it have humps on the back and you know a big long neck it's
1: sort of probably the easiest way to describe it would be like a capital N doing like a high kick. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, okay. You've know, like been set- watching too much Cobra Kai, that's why oh, I'm yeah. a high kick. I've been too much watching too much Cobra Kai and too much sesame street, clearly. But if you can imagine a capital letter N yeah. with the, the back leg well, the left leg slightly at an angle and the right leg doing a high kick. Um it's yeah. It kind of looks like that. Um, And then there's like almost, there's almost like a wee head at the top of the high kicking leg. you know, so I suppose if you really squint your eyes and use your imagination, but then it begs the question, why would anybody want to own a crisp
0: that's shaped like a like dinosaur? <laughs> like an aquatic dinosaur. Maybe they're a big fan of Nessie, and there there must be someone out there who claims to be the number one collector of Nessie memorabilia. I, I guarantee there is. If yeah. you are the person, or if you know the person that is the number one Nessie, memorable collector in the world, then please drop us a line on cultureswally <laughs> yeah. at gmail.com. Uh, there must be someone out there who is Nessie daft and collects all this stuff. I and mean, when we have uh, our mutual friend, actually. I'm pretty sure if he found a quaver in the shape of Darth Maul's horn or something, <laughs> he's going to be... <laughs> purchasing it. I don't know, it's the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> He'd be purchasing that on eBay to have, maybe not, he's more of a fan of the original trilogy. Yeah.
1: It would have to be a Cheeto that like resembles the outline of Carrie Fisher's breasts or something like that. I can see him parting with some
0: money for that. I mean, he's partied with a lot of money for this. <laughs> I'm glad you went with that. I was going to go with like Wicket's Cock or something. But I think... <laughs> <laughs> there, there'll be someone out there who wants to collect this, but that's the thing. I'd, surely, if it's okay, it looks like Nessie, but it can't be the same as Nessie because if you put that in water, it's just going to dissolve. <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> yeah. It'll, I think it'll, I think it will sort of expand. I mean, I can remember. You know, like I don't know if you ever got a pack lunch uh, when you were at primary school. Like I always got a pack lunch because I was so fussy. Um, so, but a mm. standard pack. By, I would get like a a play piece from the morning break. And then a sort of a bag of crisps. Yeah. Pack of crisps or a caramel wafer or something. And then my lunch was always sandwich, yogurt, bag of crisps, apple, and maybe like a mini Mars bar. And there used to be a kid. Yeah. My mum was pretty good. She always got like the quality crisps. And I loved and still love a bag of roast beef monster munch. And I remember it was raining one day. We are running about in the playground and I was eating my crisps. And then I didn't realise, obviously, because I was, I was so engaged in play, that... The rain was, like, pouring into my open crisp bag. And so my Monster Munch were just sort of expanding and then becoming all mushy. Um, and there was a kid in my class called Samik who was a Pakistani kid. And he never got a play piece. I'm not sure why. And he had to go to school dinners. But he would always be, oh, can I get one of your crisps? And I get one of your crisps. So I ended up just giving... I just gave him the bag of sort of rain-damaged Monster Munch. I said, you can have these if you want. He fucking... He took them and ate them and enjoyed them. So he did. You could have said they were limited edition, mutated monster monsters <laughs> I should have. Yeah, I should have. I know. I could have, I could have swapped them for his dinner money if I'd thought about it, but anyway.
0: You never know. And then he could have put them on eBay. Well, obviously there was no eBay back then, but he could have uh, maybe put them in the, the local papers yeah. classified ads. Oh, well. So well, is there anything you would want um, a Cheeto in the shape of? Um, ah. No. <laughs> like, Not at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, the
1: thing about uh, America, because, like, was an American, right? And the thing about American yeah. snacks um, and, and uh, American chocolate and sweeties. Yeah. Like, they're all, like, super... Chocolates are very bitter. Yeah, like, their chocolate's really bitter. Their sweeties are, like, super sweet. You know what I mean? Like, you can, you can feel your teeth rotting. Even, like, their cereal in America. If you, I remember when Paula and I were on our honeymoon and we were staying in Los Angeles for a few days. And we went down for breakfast in the hotel. And I, I can't remember what the cereal was, but it's one of those cereals that you always, that you kind of grow up hearing about, but they don't sell in the UK. like Captain Crunch or something like that. And I thought, I'll try a bowl of this. I literally like having like a bowl of sweets with milk for your breakfast so no no i mean there's I can not i can't i can't think of anything what about you like i've got like a cheeto in the shape of like hulk hogan's facial hair something like that that'd be cool right
0: yes yeah. that'd, that'd be cool yeah <laughs> hulk hogan's facial hair the undertaker's urn or jake the snake snake yeah that'd be that'd be good yeah yeah probably pay ooh, about five pence <laughs> for that you know, what are you gonna do with it? Put it in a display case and then sit and look at the Cheeto. You'd have to like vacuum pack it or something, surely. So it doesn't I mean it's gonna biodegrade, yeah, surely and go off and go moldy well, I don't after know. a few years. I don't,
1: I don't, know. I don't know, you know. I mean there's stories about like McDonald's burgers that people have kept for like ten years that haven't decomposed.
0: I don't know if that's just an urban myth, but I would imagine. And that makes you wonder, why the fuck would you want to put that in your body? (laughs) No, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Never mind. Well, good good luck to the seller. I hope he gets uh, all the money that he wants for that Cheeto.
1: Good luck to him, indeed.
0: What about you? What's your first story this week? Uh, Well, my first story comes from Aberdeen, Greg, and it's from the Scottish Sun this week, and I'd say it's probably every lad's nightmare. Right. This is uh, (laughs) a... This is a Scots girl who... And the article is from the female perspective, I should say. Um, A Scots girl got more than she bargained for when her Hogmanay hookup caught COVID and she was forced to self-isolate with him for 10 days. The last met him in a boozer ahead of the bell's and headed back to his pad in Aberdeen and there's a photo of them in the pub and I can tell, Greg, it's my Camerons that they're in. One of our favourite haunts. Yeah, indeed. So, they went back and, you know, I'm sure they just stayed up and played Boggle or something, but I'd imagine they probably got a little bit more romantic than that for New Year's Eve. Uh, the following morning she got a shock when he tested positive for Covid and they faced spending far longer together than they'd planned. <laughs> in a hilarious TikTok she said, uh, you went to the pub on New Year's Eve and met a boy and went home with him, but his LFT this morning was positive, so now you have to isolate together for 10 days. It's not ideal, I can't lie. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the funny video shows the pair loving life. Now, I would say the photo that has been uploaded is the guy sat on his sofa on his laptop looking miserable as fucking sin. <laughs> it then cuts to the lad looking sheepish and wearing a hoodie as he lies on his bed. Uh, the clip creator puts her head to her hand, no, her hand to her head as she begs to be set free. To hammer home the drama, she uses the song Little Girls from the musical Annie which mentions being locked in a cage in the chorus. Pals asked why she wasn't just leaving and she said, I don't want Miss Nicola coming for me. Another said that this could be the start of an epic love story and begged for an invite to the wedding. She replied, The boy can dream. He looks like he's having a fucking nightmare to me at the moment. (laughs) Someone even jokingly suggested that the guy was trying to trap her by faking his COVID test. He definitely put this under the tap to make it positive so that you have to stay. Uh, She posted back, we're off for our PCRs this morning and her followers were promised an update to see how she was handling the situation later. Uh, I don't know what the update is, but I really hope that she tested negative so the poor boy got a break. I mean, that is a fucking nightmare. (laughs) You have a hookup, New Year's Eve, you go home, you're just wanting rid of her in the morning. (laughs) You've got COVID. But maybe he didn't because he's obviously told her that he's tested positive. You would surely just be like, oh, no, it's negative, love like yeah see you later yeah but that's a a little bit of a nightmare that you're then going to be holed up for 10 days with someone
1: Is um is that like a new covid law in scotland that if you have a one night stand you've got to do a
0: lot of test in the morning i don't know yeah it does seem strange that the first thing he would do is get up and take his test but maybe it's because they were in the pub the night before and you know, with a lot of people, right. maybe he's, I don't know, who knows, you know, maybe part of his job he had to take it or something, or I, I, it doesn't go into a huge amount of detail. Yeah, you know, maybe it's could actually be a little bullshit and it's all made up for TikTok.
1: It could be. I mean, when I was of courting age, it wasn't like COVID you'd be getting tested for the next day. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> After a bit of uh, promiscuous...
0: Activity, yeah, but it doesn't seem the most romantic thing in the morning to be like, "Here you go, love. Here's your the uh, PCR test, or you know, here's your lateral flow test. Here you go." Um, so
1: she's stuck at his. H- she's stuck your it- nose. <laughs> she's stuck at his house, sir.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah so they've gone back to his. And woke up in the morning, he's taken his test and said, Yeah, you can't leave. Maybe it is all a ploy, but as I say, the photo of him sat on his laptop, he looks absolutely fucking miserable. He's maybe tried his luck and then after a couple of hours, he's been like, Oh fuck, what have I done? Surely then you would take another one and be, oh, it's negative, it's fine.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was a false positive. Maybe he's got a I mean, g- maybe he's got a girlfriend and he's like, oh, oh
0: you know what I mean? That would be a, f- a good little twist, yeah. I, I like it. that. Yeah. I mean, if I was in that situation and it was the other way around and they'd taken the test and was positive, I'd, I think I'd take my chances and just be like, OK, fine. I'll, look, I'll see you later. I better go. I better go home and take a test. Yeah, and, yeah. I'll see you later. I'm not, I'm not going to be hanging around here for 10 days. So I don't know what the, uh, what the outcome was with the couple, but I hope they managed to get... Out of isolation, or who knows, maybe they're still in isolation and maybe they're the ones that are bidding on that Cheeto. Maybe. That'll pass the time. That certainly would, actually. Here, Hen, I found this Loch Ness monster shaped like a Cheeto. Um, anyway, uh, what else have you seen this week, Greg? Uh, well, I've
1: got quite a light uh, story with a happy ending. Not Probably not the happy ending that your, that your man was expecting um, in the last story, but um, it's from Glasgow Live. A uh, woman realizes odd mistake after driving home from Aldi and finding the boot of her car to be empty. So, this is uh, Sarah Cowan from uh, Lockerbie. She went, she put her Aldi shopping into the wrong car and then drove home. I don't know how you do that, and was relieved oh. when a good Samaritan returned her groceries. Sarah, forty-eight, had visited her local store after finishing a long shift at work and spent seventy-five pounds on a weekly food shop. She put the goods into her silver Nissan. Is it Kashkwai? Is that was that? What is that? Koshkwai? K A. We'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, mini SUV. <laughs> Uh, she returned her trolley and then got into a car and headed home. But she was left at a loss for words to find that her boot was empty. The mum of one then realised that she'd put her shopping and her handbag which was worth £250 into the wrong car boot after <laughs> parking next to the exact same model car. Um, fearing her shopping and her beloved handbag were gone forever hotel worker Sarah couldn't believe it when Aldi confirmed that her belongings had been handed in. Now reunited and still bemused by her mistake, grateful Sarah's only wish is to thank the honest driver who returned her shopping. Sarah, who lives in High Tay, near Locker Bay and Dunfries, said, It was such a lovely surprise, I couldn't believe that someone had handed them in. It just goes to show that there are still some good people out there. With the state of... Well, she, she could have just ended there. That had been fine. But she's got to go... But, she, <laughs> but Sarah continues, With the state of how the whole world is at the moment, it's been so lovely to see such a kind gesture. I'm so grateful to not only get the shopping back, but my handbag too. It was the last present from my late grandfather, so it had great sentimental value too, and it's worth 250 quid. Sarah had already been unhappy about having to do the shopping after our husband Darren, also 48, suggested she buy the groceries on the way home from work. I like that. I like Darren's style. <laughs> well, you're, a, well look, you're, you're driving back anyway. You might you pass in the shop. You might as well
0: just go in, you know? Darren's wanting an extra half <laughs> hour to himself. Yeah. That's what's happening.
1: <laughs> Darren's got Baywatch on. So he is, and the kids are asleep. <laughs> um, she said, I was absolutely exhausted and I just wanted to go home. I did the food shop as quick as I could and thought I'd milk it. So I told Darren he had to run me a nice hot bath to come home to. My cab is a new one, and you don't need to press anything on your keys to open the car. It just unlocks as you walk towards it with the keys still in your pocket. Oh, there's a picture of a shopping list. I mean, she had I don't, I mean, it's a written down shopping list, so she said, time to... Let's see, what's she buying? Uh, beef gravy. Chickpeas times six. Well, that's too many chickpeas, right? Wow.
0: Six tins of chickpeas,
1: yeah. unless she's making hummus. Yeah, it must be. Tinned spaghetti times four. Pea and oh. ham. Must be soup. Pea and ham times one. Chopped tomato times two. Ridged crisps times six bags of six. Fuck's sake. 36 bags of crisps, Sarah. Maybe they're having a party. That's too... That's far too many crisps for a family Sp- of three.
0: Spaghetti, hummus and crisps.
1: Yeah. Uh, frozen chips times two. Frozen pizza times three. Granola. You're not fucking not kidding anybody on, saying that your are granola. Neither they are. Cotton buds, bin bags. Right. We don't need the whole list. <laughs> right. Strawberry sponge. She spelt strawberry long. Anyway, uh, so they opened the book, the boot, and saw that it looked slightly different to normal. It was like the bottom, where the spare wheel usually is, had been moved. So I wondered why Darren had done that. I was tired, so I just put the shopping in, returned the trolley and went straight home. Returning home from the shop, Sarah instructed process technician Darren to unpack the shopping while she jumped in the bath, but was baffled when he called up the stairs to say the boot was empty. Sarah said he was shouting up the stairs and asking where the shopping was. I thought, what's he doing? I told him there were two big blue IKEA laundry bags in the boot alongside my dusty pink handbag, but he insisted the boot was empty. I was annoyed enough before having to go down the stairs. But then I saw the empty boot and I slowly realised that I must have unlocked the wrong car and put my shopping in the wrong boot. Sarah believes that she had parked her motor next to the exact same model of car, placing her shopping into the car's boot before returning her trolley and getting her own car to go home. The honest driver who discovers Sarah's shopping in the boot handed her lot into Aldi where Darren went and collected them. Grateful for the safe return, Sarah only wishes that the kind stranger had left her name so she could have thanked them for the sweet, sweet gesture. I mean, that's got to be a bit of a problem, right, with Nissan cars, if, like, one key unlocks all the Nissan
0: cars (laughs) in the the vicinity. Yeah, you've got to think that is a little bit of a strange thing. I mean, what are the odds of parking right next to the same car, Mm -hmm. the same model, and evidently the same colour? And if she's putting it in a different colour car, then that's raising some questions. But, yeah, of course, that's a... seems ludicrous that you would have the, the same key opening different cars. Uh, what I'm taking from this story is I feel really sorry for Darren. Yeah. He sounds like he's got a miserable life. <laughs> if... Uh... <laughs> On his case the whole time. I know he's... like, she's, she's pissed off that she's had to go shopping on her way home from work. He's had to take the messages in after running her a bath. He's perplexed as to where the messages are. She's raging that she's got to come down. And then you can just imagine Darren probably got the blame for this. Yeah. As she's like, well, what have, what have you done with it? Where is it? Then he's had to go and pick them up again. So poor Darren. I mean, I
1: feel. I'm a bastard. I'm, I'm, I feel a bit sorry for, Dal- for, for, for uh, Darren's colon, to be honest, looking at this. Sh- Shopping list. So it, I mean, my
0: got granola. My, my arteries are hardening just uh, just looking at it. It's a shame. I want to see the other perspective from the person that found the shopping that's gone to their Nissan, opened the boot, and been like, "Oh, th- have I already been shopping? <laughs> then what's all this trolley full of stuff here? I don't understand what's going on here. That's yeah, bizarre." But I mean, I was thinking. Now, when I was reading this, I was thinking, what would I do
1: in that? situation and then I was thinking I was thinking what would Nicky do in that situation and I feel quite confident in saying that I think probably we would both have just been like quality free shopping
0: (laughs) yeah I, I think I would have yeah I think I'd have just put my shopping in next to it and then <laughs> driven off
1: yeah.
0: and then got home and had a rake through it and went, This is all fucking shit. <laughs> all. Like what am I supposed to do with this? Well, chickpeas. I, I do eat chickpeas, but then well, I like, what, fucking what am I supposed to do with thirty chickpea? six with thirty-six bags of ridged crisps? <laughs> well, I'm glad everything worked out well in the end and Darren got his spaghetti for dinner <laughs> yeah. and hummus. And he's and he's some ridges
1: for dessert. He's and he's six cans of rice pudding.
0: I mean, who buys six who buys
1: six cans of rice pudding? But I've got a I when I lived in Steps in Glasgow, I had a tin of rice pudding that had sat in my cupboard for about fucking ten years. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I can safely say
0: I've never in my life bought a tin of rice pudding. No, you're not, You're
1: not a fan. No. No, it's quite, it's quite, it's quite. R- rice pudding is quite polarizing. To be fair, I used my my granny used to make it for me when I was wee, and she'd heat it up and put and put sultanas in it, and I always liked it like that. But some people eat rice pudding cold, like some absolute psychos eat cold rice pudding. Yeah, can't be done with that. No, anyway. So that's uh that's a uh, neglectful Sarah. Clearly bad wife, bad mother,
0: bad shopper, bad driver potentially. Uh, what's your next story? Oh, well, my next story is from the Scottish Sun this week, and it is about a Scots couple who have been left fuming, Greg. Right. Absolutely fuming, after venues and DJs refused to play their wedding song. So, Fletcher Irvin, 23, and his fiance Jensen Russell, had been hoping to feature... Tina Turner's hit Simply the Best on their big day. The couple from Bathgate, West Lothian, got engaged last July after five years together and are planning their dream ceremony. Fletcher said that they're huge fans of the TV show Shits Creek, which features an acoustic cover of the song by Noah Reid. Hmm. Another version of the tune is also played when the couple get married. Uh, as in in Schitt's Creek, I think the, one of the characters sings it to his boyfriend and then they play it at their wedding. Right. So, Fletcher and Jensen have been hoping to do the same, but have claimed they are not allowed because apparently it has links to the Ibrox Club. Posting a clip of the song on TikTok, Fletcher said, Absolutely raging that my fiance and I both love this song, but we're Scottish, so no venue or DJ will let us play this for our wedding. He later added, I've had a couple of people confused when you say that you can't play a Tina Turner song in Scotland, and the short answer is, that Simply The Best is a song associated with one of the popular football teams here. But I feel like that doesn't fully explain the weight of the whole situation. Fletcher's video has racked up almost 500,000 views Mm. as social media users... Yeah, <laughs> he's... <laughs> wow. he's racked up half a million views complaining about this, and uh, social media users are sympathising with the couple. But one person said, Yeah, when I worked in a pub in Scotland, this song was banned from karaoke nights. Another wrote, Aha ha 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 ha. Same in Belfast. Um, meanwhile, <laughs> Meanwhile, a third asked, have you checked? It's such a lovely version and so far from the original. I think they'd allow it. But not all (laughs) Scots are convinced of this song's claim. One wrote, of course venues will let you play it. I've been at loads of events when it's been played. I'm from Glasgow, and, and it was all mixed parties. Never a problem. I'd probably play it at the fucking lodge. Man. I was going to say, I've been, I've been at loads of Masonic events
1: where they play it. Um,
0: a, second, a second insisted, my sister-in-law got married in Edinburgh in November, and this was her first dance. Her first dance was fucking Simply the Best. Um, a third insisted, I'm from Glasgow, and I've heard Simply the Best played at hundreds of venues. <laughs> There's no way a venue wouldn't play at a private function. So, uh, for our overseas listeners that maybe aren't aware, Simply the Best is blared out at Ibrox when the Rangers team take to the pitch at home games. A Rangers club spokesman has previously said, Simply the Best is a recognised club anthem. Uh, the track was temporarily withdrawn from the Ibrox playlist in 2001 after some fans corrupted the lyrics to include the line Fuck the Pope and the IRA. But Now it's obviously back. Um, So, (laughs) this poor couple can't have simply the best played at their wedding. I mean, first of all, they're saying that they've asked a couple of venues and they won't play it. I can only presume it's Celtic venues that they've maybe asked. I I, I just, yeah, of course people will play it. I mean, yes, it is a song that is associated with Rangers. And when I hear it, I probably do think of that. Uh, Well, no, I don't know if I do that much. I mean, simply the best. It is a good song. But yeah, I do probably associate it with Rangers the same as probably De- Depeche Mode now I would associate with Celtic right um so I can't listen to either of those songs now <laughs> but um I mean yeah I mean, so this poor couple can't have this at their wedding but really simply the best but I guess they're they're big fans of Shits Creek so they've they've seen it on that and uh, can I just actually say I mean Fletcher and uh Irvin, if you're no Jensen, Jensen. sorry, mm. uh, it's Fletcher Irvin. Sorry, is his name <laughs> Fletcher and Jensen. Um, if you're listening, don't copy stuff you've seen on TV. Yeah. You know, just because Noah and no, sorry, it's Patrick and David in Shits Creek. Just because they get married to that doesn't mean you have to. I mean, I've, come up with something original. I've I've never seen
1: an episode of Shits Creek. I I believe it's got Kevin's mum from Home Alone
0: in it. Is that that was she in that? it's um yeah it's Kevin's mum and um <laughs> she will never be known that's terrible yeah Kevin's mum from Home Alone and Jim's dad from American Pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I think um,
1: Kevin's mum from Home Alone also goes by the name of Winona Ryder's mum from Beetlejuice as
0: well I believe yeah <laughs> Uh, I think we watched a couple of episodes and it was okay. I mean, we watched a couple and then never watched it again. So yeah. I think that probably sums up what I think of Shits Creek.
1: What, uh I mean, obviously you got married last year, but it wasn't the wedding that I'm sure you both. Well, I'm sure, certainly the lovely Mrs. Kemp yeah. had in her minds because of the
0: pandemic.
1: Did you have a first? Did you be able to have a dance?
0: No, no, because I mean, we uh, effectively we just got married just at the courthouse and then, just had a few friends right. back here. Right. We are still potentially planning a, a full-on wedding. Yes. Um, we were hoping. You know, we had to cancel it again last year. We were hoping for this year. We're actually going to sit down and discuss it in the next few days of what we're going to do because you know it's August and we still don't know right. what's going to happen in the world then. Yeah. Um, so no, we didn't have a, a first dance then. You, and if you're going to ask what we w- would be doing, yeah. Um, still unsure. You no, it, us, I, we, you, any songs? in mind no any like a short yeah, list of songs got, yeah yeah i've got a short list of songs in mind yeah. um but um yeah so i'm um, simply the best um <laughs> the uh, acoustic Depeche version mode <laughs> <laughs> um uh the european song by the 1983 aberdeen fc team oh nice yeah. um and uh we're all going to spain by the crankies
1: brilliant yeah um we my wife and i uh, you may remember, or you may have nipped out for a cigarette when it was when we were having our first dance at our wedding, um, <laughs> uh, which is which is what I tend to do uh, when I'm at a wedding, unless I'm particularly closely related to when people get married. Uh, we had uh, Al Green, "Let's Stay Together," which, hmm. in hindsight, if you listen to the lyrics, it's not necessarily a, like a lovey dovey song. <laughs> Well, it is, but it's not necessarily... Yeah. The lyrics aren't really in the vein of people that have just decided that they agreed to spend their whole lives together. But it's got a nice tune, so I thought it was a good first dance. I was going to have Blackbird by The Beatles uh, for the first dance because my wife is West Indian, but she didn't think she didn't think that was very funny. And she, she was going to have... <laughs> At one point, she was lobbying quite hard for Happy Day, the gospel song. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, yeah. I had to to use one of my vetoes. And then, no word of a lie, right? No word of a lie. She flirted with Ebony and Ivory by Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder. (laughs) I was like, Paula, if we have that as our first dance, all I'll see are my closest friends pissing themselves laughing on the side of the dance floor. So I had to use my second and last veto for that as well. So.
0: See, I think you should have went with that just for the the, the laugh.
1: That would have been hilarious. Just. Yeah, but, but, she, but but Paula didn't want it to be funny. She wanted it to be sentimental and meaningful, you know. And, and the thing is, if I'd been like whisking my new bride about waltzing about the dance floor and I saw you and your mutual friends pissing themselves laughing I would have started laughing as well and no bride wants a hysterical husband for their first dance no bride (laughs) (laughs) so I think we made
0: the right choice yeah, I think you did. I definitely think you did. Well, there you go, um, uh, Fletcher and Jensen. If There you go, Ebony and Ivory, although they're both white. So that maybe doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, Ivory um, and Ivory. But there you go. I mean, I free no, I free. what's
1: confusing with the Jensen and Irvin,
0: is it? Uh, it's Fletcher, Fletcher and Jensen. Yeah. Right, so they've got second names as first names. Those are surnames. <laughs> yeah, I, the, <laughs> the first gentleman is called... It's almost like they've got their names mixed up in a way. One's <laughs> called Fletcher Irvin. Right. And his fiance Jensen Russell. Right. So you'd think it should almost be Irvin Fletcher and Russell Jensen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Russell, what a dance to turn <laughs> Turnartina. Tina. Best the simply. Um... <laughs> Good luck, Fletcher. Good luck, Jensen. I hope you find the perfect song and you have a lovely wedding day. All the best from us at the Swally. Okay. Um, anything else, Greg, that you've seen this week? Um, well, I have seen not so much a
1: news story, um, but in my wade through the Scottish news, I came across a website called I ilivehere.co.uk. Uh, hmm. And it seems to be a sort of perhaps tongue-in-cheek, perhaps not, uh, forum where people will go on and complain about a town or a city in the UK. They might live there, they might not. The reason that I came across it is because there was a bit of a backlash uh, in the daily record from people who lived in some of these towns and cities that are being slagged off on this website. So I'll um, I'll take you through a few headlines and then I'll, I'll, I'll read a, a very quick account uh, from one of the other ones. So... Uh, Tillabuddy, which is a small town near Stirling. The headline of the article reads on the website Tillabuddy, the armpit of Scotland. Next one, Blind Wells in East Lothian. You need to be blind to move here. The next one's a particular favourite, uh, Wishaw, which is near Glasgow. Uh, Wishaw, a psycho's paradise with fuck all <laughs> with fuck all to do one of your favourite places Dundee Dundee has one hmm. geological fault it's above sea level that's a bit <laughs> harsh on the, on the Dundonians there uh, Mayfield which is near Dalkeith Mayfield in Scotland is like the seventh circle of Dante's hell <laughs> a bit dramatic maybe um, this one's short but sweet our friend Scott Murdoch might appreciate this or it might send him into a fury Elgin embrace the void Arbroath, lovely coastal Arbroath, home of the Arbroath Smoky. Uh, Arbroath, a mixture of racists and junkies. And then the last one, just reads, Highlands of Scotland, the awful truth. (laughs) So it's a bit bit harsh there. Uh, I did find an article about a town uh, called Colsythe. Which means quite a lot to me because it's where my father grew up uh, and I actually, the first school I went to when I was five until primary two was Colsaith. So the headline is Colsaith, home to some of the most nosy people in the whole of Scotland. Ah, good old Colsythe, nestled in between the hills of the Campsies and North Lanarkshire's worst-voted town two years in a row. The town should have the slogan, Did you hear? Uh, Home to some of the most nosy people in the whole of Scotland, anything that happens here will be spread about this small town like wildfire. So we've got the tap end and the bottom end of Kosythe. If you ever find yourself in need of a heroin fix, you would travel to the very edge of the tap end known as the Rennie Road, also known as the Bronx, or the even more creative name of the Ra Ra. While a bit run down and the high risk of being stabbed, it has lovely views of the whole town, which can be seen as you lie there chasing the dragon, or whatever it is those crazy rah-rah members get up to at two o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. As you make your way down past the chippy, you'll probably see or hear the van or the icy. It's easily identified by the bright colours, pictures and GBX getting blasted out of it at full volume 24-7 as it races around the top end delivering 10p mix-ups and even a hot dog or two for the Lazier Stones or the Wayne's Tea Uh, take in the sights of one of the sound's many pubs, the Broch. Sure, come in, have a pint, share a laugh. Someone might offer you a line or two, and then smash a pool cue over your head. Happy days. As we venture further down into the middle of the town, you'll find the Coachman Hotel, where possibly only one guest has ever stayed. If you ever need to order something at the bar, expect at least a week before it arrive at your table, but it's nice all the same. Let's cross the road and you'll see the Masonic, maybe the 49th Lodge, I'm never sure as it's usually a zombie-filled area and possibly best avoided at all costs. Up the main street you can meet the friendly locals like Makaboo, who'll no doubt say something to you and pretend to box you in the street. We're well and truly in the bottom end now and almost at the end of Oracle Tour. We're still to make our way round to the Scarecrow pub, nip into the archways and say hello to catch up on some of the more wildfire lies being spread around the place. Next off is The Curly. The pub known as the Zoo. Have you been banned from every other pub in town? This is the place for you, my friend. Come in and play pool and watch the wee fannies act hard by using the punching machine in the corner. Walk down to the Burn Green, sit with the local youth drinking their buck fast and doing buckets. A fun pastime for all. So come and visit our town and see the wonders for yourself. You'll be amazed. And probably can't wait to leave thinking, what a shithole. Bit harsh in Kilsyth, but I mean, it is a bit run down these days. It was nice when I lived there in like 1982.
0: <laughs> yeah, someone seems to have quite a vendetta against Kilsyth. They've got yeah. such a detailed description about it.
1: I mean, I did read some of the other articles. They're not as, like, they're not as sort of light-heartedly written I, I read one about aberdeen which goes into great detail about uh the council wasting a lot of money on union square and letting union street die and all this kind of thing and seem to be taking it quite seriously but um yeah ilivehere.co.uk you can, you can you can put your postcode in and they it's got a little the little search thing where you put your postcode in it says put your postcode in here and see how grim where you live is. Um I put mm. I put the postcode of my town of my house and steps and it, it said, We can't find this postcode. Someone's getting fired for this. So obviously steps knowing nobody can be complaining about steps, clearly, on oh, ILiveHere.com. Oh, well, that's,
0: that's a good sign then, surely. Yeah. Good for the house price. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that wraps up the news for this week then, does it, Greg? If anything else? No more news from me this week. Okay. Uh right. Well, before we move on to what we're going to be having a look at this week, let's have a little word from our sponsors. You have something you no longer need, but it still has some life left in it. Don't throw it away. Nine treble won it. Every day, thousands of people turn to the evening news classified section, and to them what you have to sell is big news. If you want to say- Travel 1 and 2 It's so easy It's
1: cheap and it works So, Nicky, it was your turn to choose for the Swally, this episode. Quite a
0: bit of an unusual choice. Why don't you introduce it? Uh, Yeah, certainly was a bit of an unusual choice. Well, this is the 40th episode of the Culture Swally. So in my mind, I thought, let's try and do something from 40 years ago. So I had a look at what came out in 1982, and this was one of the first things that sprung to my attention. And I'd never really seen it, never really heard about it until recently. So I thought, yeah, let's do this. And without even watching it, I decided let's do it and recommended it to you. So today we are going to be speaking about The Nuclear Family. This was written by Tom McGrath as part of the BBC's short-lived Play for Tomorrow series, which was a spin-off of the popular Play for Today series. Airing in May 1992, The Nuclear Family is set in 1999, when the British government is instilling fear of a nuclear holocaust into its population. As a result, teenagers are the breadwinners, working with computers, and manual labour is a thing of the past. Tired of feeling useless after his redundancy as a docker about 20 years ago, Joe, played by Jimmy Logan, decides to take his family on a working holiday into the Citizen National Defence Programme uh this show is starring uh jimmy logan uh and scott jones gerard kelly uh, lizzie radford as i say it aired in may uh i said i said 1992 in my intro i think because I've no you said you said here. here you said 82. 82
1: you did say 82 did i say 82?
0: Okay. 82 okay so yeah aired in aired in may 82 uh so this was the first time i'd seen it greg and i know that you'd mentioned that you never even really heard about this so no. first time watching it for you as well
1: it was. I never seen I never heard about it. I mean, I, I imagine that I must have when we did City Lights, or maybe even when we did um, the very first episode of Taggart. I would have had a look at Gerard Kelly's IMDb. So I'm, obviously he's one of the principals in it, as you said. I must have seen that it was it that it was there. But uh, yeah, I never uh, never heard of it. First time. I obviously I watched it twice. Uh, I watched it last week. I watched it again this afternoon. It's uh, it's quite quite unusual, I think. Look, <laughs> um, as you mentioned, like it's set in nineteen ninety nine, so it's the writers' imagining of what life will be like in nineteen ninety nine. We're reviewing it in twenty twenty two, and. I don't know about you but you know when we were kids every you know every, futuristic things were set in the year 2000 right oh the year 2000 jetpacks mm flying cars, etc. We went as Back to the Future 2. Is it 2015? 15, yeah. Yeah, and it's like big hologram uh, movie advertising and, you know, like hoverboards and self-lacing shoes. And now that we're in 2022, it's all a bit fucking disappointing, really. All these things that we were... All these things that television and movies promised us. Having said all of that, the 1999 that uh, the writer imagines in the nuclear family, you can fucking keep it. <laughs> I think. If that's the future, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty grim,
0: right? Yeah, so I mean, it's all set, well, the, the first part really is set in their kind of flat that they live in and it's quite a a little flat and the teenagers, um, Gary and Anne, work basically in this computer room and I guess they're like, it's like data entry seems to be what they're doing. Um, Although I'm not sure, Gary's computer sometimes, you know, it's facts about population and stuff and I don't know if they're meant to be learning that type of thing. And then Anne has this kind of early version of Guitar Hero with the recorder (laughs) when she's (laughs) playing the recorder at the computer to try and match notes, and then the computer's giving her feedback and stuff. It's, yeah, it's all very strange and a bit odd. I mean, I think that I could see what they were trying to do with mm-hmm. this. And it does tackle some some big issues, you know, in terms of the father, Joseph Brown, he was a docker and he was made redundant in 1980. And so that's 19 years he's been made redundant. What the fuck have they been doing for money since then? Because Gary wasn't born until 1982. Mm -hmm. Why was he like, well, you know, been out of work for two years. Let's have a kid. And then a couple of years later, like, oh, let's have another one. You know, I mean, is the government paying for this? this He's been out of work. And it does cover, you know, the real issue of the industrial decline and mass unemployment in the 80s in the UK and Scotland. So, you know, it does give that. But I want a bit more realism. I want Joe blaming Thatcher. And stuff, you know, is, is stuff like this. <laughs> yeah. And it, it it doesn't really explain why the world is the way it is. And it's almost you almost think, you know, the nuclear family. I, I understand it's because of this the nuclear war kind of looming, but it's almost like their apartment is like a bunker. But then yeah. Joe goes out to the pub, Gary goes to the club. Yeah. You know, they're they're going out. So I don't know. It yeah, as you say, they can they can ram this nineteen ninety nine. And there's also
1: this sort of um In the background story about uh, satellites being bumped and, Mm. you know, uh, when the scene where Gary comes back late from the pub and uh, Joe's talking to him when he's in his bed... And he, mm-hmm. you know he's talking about talk, like how he's been talking to other people of his age about these weird sort of messages coming from space and you know could it be other life forms and all this it's I mean I'm not I, I think it's you know it's obviously not meant to be taken particularly seriously or or is it <laughs> I'm not sure you know is he trying to say something? about, you know, is it supposed to be a sort of hideous warning? Because if it is, a lot of it is right. You know, you, you hear all the time about kids that are addicted to screens. Obviously, mm. most people these days use a computer either for work or at home. You know what I mean? So, I mean, in, in, in some cases, it's uh, it's quite sort of um, uh, prophetic, am I trying to say, maybe? Um, but. Yeah. Uh,
0: Yeah, there are messages there, I think. And it is quite, uh, there are quite deep messages, I think, Mm -hmm. in terms of, as you say, 1999, kids, teenagers were glued to computer screens or, you know, TV screens playing video games and stuff. That was, you know, a big issue. I think the issue of redundancy is, is quite serious as well, because Joe, he's lost. Yeah. I mean, he's been lost for 19 years. You know, you'd think you'd kind of be used to it by now, but as, as he's the first time you see him, he's basically just sat in his chair staring into space. And Mum and Anne are just like, oh, he's in one of his dwams. Yeah. You know, this is a regular thing. Joe just zones out. And then he's like, oh, I'm off to go and do my weights. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wasn't the bedroom <laughs> pumping iron, um, which is just the most bizarre thing. And then, of course, the, the I guess the, in 82, I mean, this was aired during the Falklands. So yeah. war was a big thing and the Cold War looming as well. I mean, we were a few years off, Rocky Balboa saving us from the Cold War and defeating the Russians. And, yeah. you know, if I can change, you can change. Maybe we can all change. Mm hmm. I, I just think that there are some very serious messages in this, but it is a bit ridiculous as well yeah. <laughs> in terms of the way he's gone about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, even like this, this the this sort of format, you know, the, the, the show starts uh, and the, you see the identification cards of each of the family. And, it, you know, it's like jo- Joseph Brown born... Was it like nineteen forty-five? Uh, made, mm. made made redundant nineteen eighty. Uh, Docker whatever. And then you got Gary uh, Brown, n- you know, born in nineteen eighty. Computer literate, and then his sister uh, Anne, and she's like computer literate. She what she should have said was computer and recorder literate. <laughs> Is she though? I mean, she's she's okay, but. I mean, is there, it's a, not the best. Is, is there a worse sound, a musical instrument, than the sound of a recorder? I'm not sure Yeah, that's is. a
0: good point. Did you play the recorder at school? We sort of had to. I mean, I remember um,
1: when I started my second primary school in Bishop Briggs in Glasgow, and um, we, used to, we used to do recorders. We used to do recorder, like on a, I think it was like a Monday or a Tuesday afternoon. I remember my mum having to... Mum and I having to go into Glasgow, like after school, like in a winter night, to find a music shop where she could buy me a recorder. So I had my own one because I didn't want to
0: use the spare ones. Do you know what I mean? Everybody else had their own recorders. Um, but yeah. Do you think it's a sc- scam going with the people that manufacture recorders music shops and primary schools yeah. that they all just take a cut of this because it was the same as us, everyone played the recorder when you were at primary school, you had to get your own recorder yeah. because it was the done thing and then what do you do with it? Who the fuck plays the recorder? Yeah, I know exactly, I
1: mean did did, did your school
0: have a bit of a, your primary school have a bit of a
1: kind of recorder choir so if you were like, yeah. do, if you were doing like hymns or maybe Christmas carols, probably more likely Christmas yeah. carols right, and you would be like sort of 12 people 12 sort of 8 or 9 year olds just like slogging their way through Silent Night yeah. <laughs> on the
0: recorder but no one needs that yeah. that's, that's not anything you want to see T- teachers and parents smiling politely <laughs> know she is uh, she's very computer literate and recorder literate and uh, yeah you almost think it's quite a serious tone when the id cards come up and then it descends into a bit of a brady bunch when it splits them all into four and you see what they're doing and then you get the kind of serious news aspect of um gavin from that's life telling you that there's uh, (laughs) missiles being knocked off course US satellites and they think the russians are doing it so yeah the the cold war is very gloomy it's still going on yeah even after all these years so gorbachev still going mental and knocking satellites all over the shop (laughs) with these lasers (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah i mean it's the whole sort of first
1: act is all a bit weird i mean Anne calls her Calls her mum Mother All the time mm. And You know the, the mother's obviously She's got you know, It sort of transpires That she's got A bit of a problem With booze She's clearly got Nothing to do Other than Do mm. her daughter's hair As often as She'll wear, her You know And Anne keeps referring To her as, as mother Gary can't identify With his father So goes to What looks like the shittest nightclub Which closes at 7 o'clock at night So what time does he leave the house to go there? And he's, and a tenner is enough In 1999
0: 10 quid's enough for a night out 10 quid's been enough for a night out since like 1992 <laughs> I mean yeah, because his dad takes £100 out And <laughs> <Yeah>. then gives <laughs> him a tenner So he's off to the pub with 90 quid <laughs> Yeah <laughs> so, He's still home before his son I know. I
1: know And all he's got is a fucking Is like a computer produced pizza
0: when will you be back? No, no. Depends if I meet anybody. Hmm. Or you'll meet down at that pub with a bunch of unemployables just like yourself. And don't be late for dinner. Are you making dinner? No. You know what I mean. We'll punch out some pizzas. Pizzas? I so thought you liked pizza. Do you want to know something? I would do anything for a good old-fashioned plate of scotch broth. Why don't you do any cooking like you used to? no point in cooking when the food's
1: already cooked just ready for the order and because
0: uh, uh, well that's the premise obviously the the kids are the one that earn the money so they do this data entry Joe's redundant as you say the mum is she's always been a housewife and she say she's bored she's at one point she's vacuuming but the hoover's not plugged in <laughs> yeah. and as you said it's some sort of displacement kind of therapy yeah. um but, but i get the impression they, they mention a couple of times that the mum agnes i think she's come from quite a well-off background because she does say that her mum was like a lady and then when she says her dad would never let her work so she's you know come from a very well-off background what the fuck is she doing married to joe who was a docker (laughs) at the time (laughs) it's It's a a very strange relationship yeah but but rough but
1: rough potentially an unemployed docker as well you know because she met him
0: yeah, 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 I think so. And she's six years younger than him, so good on you, Joe. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. So let's say they earn the money um, and it gets paid in, but Joe controls the finances because that's the way it is. So as you say, it's it's very funny. Initially, you get the kind of relationship which is very strange between them all. And Joe goes off to the pub. Gary goes to his shit club, and then you know, when he comes in late, they have a, a fight because he's been out late. And it, you touched upon it earlier when he's speaking to him and he goes in to apologize for punching yeah. him, effectively. And he's like, so what were you doing? You you chatting up the birds? And Gary's like horrified he's like what no I was speaking to females but you know, so he's obviously very asexual but if he's going to the club and there's women there surely he would think he'd be having some sort of urge I'm kind of with Joe here mm. he's, as he goes and complains to Agnes, he's like well you know back in my day and he's like well it's all different now Joe mm-hmm. you think maybe he was, he was worried that Gary would want to get something the best at his wedding <laughs> <laughs> I it did cross my mind, possibly. He was a bit worried. I mean, when Gary puts on his bum bag when he's going out, did you spot that yeah. when uh, when he's getting ready to go? He's zipping up his bum bag. It's, uh, yeah, it's uh, Obviously, they thought 90s fashion was going to be different, but then he puts on a very 80s anorak. He
1: does, yeah. So you
0: kind of go out. I do remember a very,
1: very brief, like very brief period in probably around 1990 or 1991 where bum bags were a wee bit fashionable for maybe like a summer. It was a a bit like... Yeah, they were. It's a bit like the summer of uh, 1999 when like, uh, cargo trousers were, were mm. fashionable. Remember that? Um, yeah.
0: No, I do remember when bum bags were fashionable. I think I had one from McDonald's because they <laughs> gave them away. Right. You know, when they used to do that type of thing, um, you bought X amount and paid mm-hmm. like a pound, you would get something. Right. So yeah, I think we got a, a bum bag. That was very nice. <laughs> rocking my McDonald's bum bag It was very subtle It didn't have like a big M on it or anything It was just like a little black thing With a little McDonald's in the corner right. It's very nice Yeah, it yeah. sounds, sounds lovely So only time I've ever worn a bum bag It sounds lovely and practical Yeah, it was It's very practical Yeah. Uh, so to relieve the monotony Because Joe keeps saying we need a holiday We haven't had a holiday since Gary was born And he does say we used the money we got from having him To pay for the holiday Mm-hmm now, if you've been unemployed for two years by this point, Joe, should you not be using the money for something better than going on a holiday? <laughs> yeah. You know, this reminds me of like people that are on the social or something, and then they suddenly get like a, a bonus rebate check or something, and then they go off to Magaluf for a week. <laughs> you don't be better using it for something else. But mm. I guess the government... Pay for everything and subsidize everything. I, I don't know because uh, at what age would Gary and Anne have started working on the data entry? Surely not until they were like twelve or so. Years. Yeah, it's a bit strange. I mean,
1: maybe, maybe like, maybe like it's some sort of like UEE type absolute monarch situation where you get when you have a baby, you get married. And when you eh, so when you have a baby, you get money. When you get married, you get money, and then maybe they give you your own your own basement flat with electric doors, and evidently its own. Cash machine <laughs> in the bedroom. <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's what the the writer was was imagining.
0: And the elevator that drops into the lounge as well. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Like three men and a baby. Is it? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, three men and a baby. And it was televisions. Didn't get any bigger in the future because no. they're still sitting watching a shitty little TV. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. I know. Well, what's it do? I mean, there's not. There's a lot There's a scene where one of the characters is watching like a tiny television. Is it Agnes? Maybe she's got like. It's like a tiny little sort of Sinclair television she's watching. Well, mm. the screen's tiny, but the, the unit yeah. itself is, is quite big. Um, yeah, I
0: think it's just before Gary comes back from the club. Yeah. Um, the, does uh, And as you say, the shittest club I've ever seen. He's just <laughs> basically sat there sipping. I mean, the budget obviously didn't stretch to extras yeah. to having the scene. Because I'd, I'd rather go to Joe's pub than Gary's club.
1: Yeah. Because Joe's uh,
0: pub looked like a good old working man's pub. I mean, but
1: Joe looked pretty fucking miserable as well, sitting there on these flat cap with his these pint of heavy, you know. Yeah. Um, and what was was Gary drinking? to like a coffee or something while a, while a disco goes
0: on around them. <laughs> well, we don't know. It's in a a cup, um, you know, like with much like the one I've kind of got here. You wouldn't know what was in it, kind of yeah. little white cup. So I don't know. I mean, he doesn't look pissed when he comes home, and, and I don't think. Gary would be the type to drink because he's very critical of his mother's drinking. He's very and serious, isn't when he? His d- yeah. And when his dad comes home and he has, sorry, when he comes home and his dad's having a go at him, he does say, oh, you've been drinking. So he does seem very anti-drinking and he is, yeah, he's a very serious, he's a miserable little cunt until know. later on when he suddenly changes. And that's something that we'll speak about very shortly. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> So Joe's desperate for this holiday, and I think he thinks a holiday is going to solve everything and and wants to go away and enjoy themselves, but... He's very instilled on, I think, what, does he say something to Gary about, oh, you're working? And he says, oh, you wouldn't know what working is. You know, you, you've never done a day's work in your life. And of course, Joe, being a docker is harking back to the days of being manual labor and proper work and yeah. doing docking things and digging up roads and doing all that stuff. So his idea of a holiday is to take them on a working. Well, well they go through a couple of options of holidays first. One is like an erotic holiday, isn't it? Which, yeah, I don't think that would be appropriate you know Anne's only 15 I think so is she? It's, that's not going to be appropriate yeah. yeah Anne's only 15 yeah she was born 1984 so she's only 15 so that wouldn't have been appropriate and I can't remember the other one that it has, but they settle on going on this working holiday at uh, the military defence in Helensborough and they're all eventually, I think Gary and Anne are quite keen and they're okay to go and take part. But Agnes doesn't want to go because it's too far, because it's 20 miles away. It's 20 miles away.
1: And she doesn't want to go in a submarine.
0: submarine. Yeah. So you have to get a submarine to get to this military base. So uh, do they say, is it underwater, this military base then? Yeah. Yeah, because... It must be if you've got to get a submarine. Well,
1: when they arrive and they meet the sort of Capitan... Uh, was it General Smiley, although his name thing is spelt smelly, which is obviously another mm. joke. Um, he says I hope, he says, I hope you enjoyed your voyage on the submarine. Don't worry about the pressure, your bodies
0: will get used mm. to it. So I, I'm assuming uh, it's all underground, you know. <clears throat> so they decide to go on the holiday and it, it, there's a lot packed into this show of montages and showing the kind of four of them doing different things in this montage, so you know the hilarity of them going on holiday and packing their suitcase, and the kids are looking at buckets and spades like it's the most alien thing. Why has the family got buckets and spades? Where are they keeping everything in this little flat of theirs? Because the kind of kitchen and room are close, and Anne's got the kind of blow up rubber rings put right in her neck, mm.
1: trying to work out what it's for and all that. And that and that's why I think it's all yeah, it's meant to be taken a bit a bit tongue-in-cheek, and when they when they get to the facility, you know, I think there's sort of no doubt about it then. You know, so that if, if if the first act is all about a sort of, you know, if we're not careful, this is what life will be like in 1999 if we're not careful, and then the second act is, it feels a lot more sort of light-hearted and a bit more tongue-in-cheek. Right?
0: As soon as you meet uh, Sergeant Smiley, yeah, as you say, spelled Smelly, and his mm-hmm. assistant able-bodied Andrews, who is a striking (laughs) female in military uniform, Uh, you kind of get the feeling that it's gone out the window. I mean, they're there to work. And as he does do in his speech about work, 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 uh, you do get the impression that it is very tongue in cheek. And okay, Mm -hmm. this is getting a bit silly now. We came here to work quite so and work you shall fingers to the bone back till it's breaking work work and more work we are not ashamed to be nostalgic down here as for those of you who have never worked before well what can i say you're about to learn the secret the meaning of toil and sweat of brow work work and more work and what will this work be like it will be bloody awful you'll wonder how anyone could ever have lamented the passing of such a torment and yet later when you are safely home in all your security and leisure you will look back on these days of grafton bull with fondness and might even yearn for their return now then before we clock you in, yeah. are there any
1: um, questions? Can we pause for a second to talk about Jimmy Logan? Because Oh, of course, yeah. Jimmy Logan was a bit of a Scottish superstar um, yeah. in Scotland. I mean like he didn't exactly set the rest of the world on fire, but looking at his um at his IMDB and he he's been in everything. He's in he's got two carry-on films under his belt. He's got Carry On Abroad, where he plays Bert Conway, but then he came back in nineteen seventy three for Carry On Girls where he plays Cecil Gaybody, character's name. But uh, yeah, I mean Jimmy Logan. I mean I can remember uh, growing up in Glasgow. You know, like you would see him about, you would see him around, like in the mm. city centre and stuff. Like I, I remember, like my uncle said, oh, we saw Jimmy Logan and Sucky Hall Street or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, he's uh, and he's in something that I wanted to try and do on the Swally, for a Swally episode. I wanted to do the Debt Collector, the Billy Conley film from nineteen ninety nine. Mm. Um, mm. but I can't, I can't, I can't find it anywhere. Um. Neither I can. It seems to have seems to have disappeared for some reason. So, um, but yeah, I mean, and I'm not sure that. I mean, he's his performance in this is a bit uneven, you know. But I don't know if that's his performance or if it's the way the character's written. Because, like you say, that the first time we see him, he looks like an old, old man, confused, staring off into space. But then, by the time the second act comes along, he's got his boiler suit on he's polishing what he's throwing what looks like rockets (laughs) to his son gary
0: and like you know carrying sheets of metal around and whatnot but that's it because he's got his spark back he's got his vigor Mm, back because he's doing manual labor and this is his he's rejuvenated by the holiday and as much as everyone else is not really enjoying it because it's hard work and manual labor he's for the first time in 19 years he has a purpose he has mm-hmm. something that he can do and that's why he's loving the work so much and when he says to to Gary i think they they have the speech about this is you know men working together it's you know the best thing it's he's got this renewed lease of life doing this work it's the holidays the best thing that's ever happened to him mm-hmm. including the birth of his children it would seem <laughs> clearly well especially i mean he, he seems to do
1: on, the, on Anne, his daughter She seems to dote on him Feels like mm. he could probably do without Gary <laughs> You know what I mean? He's, he struggles to identify with him
0: Why have you stopped? It's pointless What? That's work It's pointless Of course That's how work's supposed to be Come on. We were doing well together there, which is how it should be. Men working together. You and me, we've never been like that before. Never had the chance to. Come on, boy. Let's do some more. That's what we came here for, isn't it? No, that's what you came here for. Oh, look at my hands. They're all cuts and blisters. I'll never be able to use a keyboard again. Now, you move them yourself if you're keyboard. Oh, come on. Oh, what's the matter? Are you scared you can't manage in your own? big man like me, of course I can. Aye, a big man like you. But a workman needs a workmate. That's part of the fun of the thing. And the dignity
1: crap. And obviously when they first arrive, uh, well, when they first start doing the tasks and everything at the facility, Gary's complaining, he comp- he, you know, he thinks that he might never be able to use a typewriter again. Uh, sorry, a keyboard again mm. because he's fingers and his hands are all blisters, you know, and he's just at odds until he takes a bit of a shine to the brilliantly named able-bodied Andrews. (laughs) It's a great name for a character.
0: And there's a couple of little glimpses early on of her telling him off or something and I'd actually written here something gonna happen between them yeah and did wonder if there was there was a of sexual tension in the air and I think Gary was quite confused as to what was happening yeah. to him because obviously he's usually used to speaking to females about aliens and stuff but yeah. here's this very striking attractive female that seems to be flirting with him so I mean we can just jump ahead and speak to it. obviously gary gets his hole with able-bodied andrews do you think that sergeant smiley got his hole with joe because uh, no I don't, <laughs> I don't think so so think? joe and sergeant smiley are sitting having a few beers and, and discussing the effectively why joe is the way he is and sergeant Smiley's trying to tell him it's because he's living in fear um, and he's been afraid for so long. Gary can't take any more of this, so leaves the room and bumps into able-bodied Andrews, who takes her, it takes him into her boudoir mm. and, we think, shows him the, the wonderful delights of her able-body. Joe's been complaining about his sore back, so Sergeant Smiley says, Oh, did you know I was a trained masseuse? And then the next scene we cut to... He's given Joe a massage and Sergeant Smiley seems to be really enjoying himself. Now, you know, it's the next morning when they're having breakfast. Obviously, Gary is a completely new person. He's completely changed. He's happy (laughs) as he would be. He's just got his hole the night before. Whereas Joe is quite sheepish and quite quiet when he comes to the table. And I wonder if something happened between him and Sergeant Smiley.
1: Maybe Joe's had a new, had a brand new experience as well, perhaps.
0: Well, maybe he got a happy ending.
1: Maybe he did. Maybe he did. I mean, and clearly Gary's BBC acorn computer back at the flat in Glasgow doesn't get Pornhub, because he, you know, because he's (laughs) not, you know, you say he's got seemingly no interest in women until able-bodied Andrews undresses right in front of him. But even Um, then, even then he doesn't, you know, maybe, I don't know, I mean, maybe Gerard Kelly wasn't wasn't quite the actor that he became later on, but, you know, doesn't uh, he doesn't... Put it this way, if I had been 19 and someone like everybody Andrews undressed in front of me, I think I would have just been a bit more emotive <laughs> than Gerard was in that scene, you know?
0: I, I agree with you on that. And that's when you realise that this is a complete farce, when I think she grabs his hand and puts it on her chest, yeah. and then it just cuts to a shot of the submarine coming up. <laughs> <Yeah>. And... <laughs> <laughs> a train going through a tunnel <laughs> that's when you realise okay yeah don't take this too seriously yeah. Uh, so yeah obviously we presume that Gary does get his hole and that's why later on when he's sitting in the chair and he's, he's saying I'll remember this holiday for the rest of my life <laughs> yeah. like, I bet I bet you will yeah. I bet you fucking will my boy I mean this I was only if
1: Abel- this was only a year before Gerard Kelly was in the very first Taggart serial killer
0: mm. you know we oh no, he s- came on leaps and bounds. Yeah, he yeah. got a lot better. What, um, what were you going to say about able-bodied Andrews there? I interrupted you. Um, I wonder if this is a regular thing. And when people come on holiday, she has lots of holiday romances. You mm-hmm. know, if it's like the, um, I was going to say like Heidi high, high, but I don't remember anything like that happening in Heidi high, high. Like, I don't know, like Benidorm or something. The <laughs> barman Matteo used to always shag all the, the people that were on holiday. Right. I don't remember see Paul Archag in any of the campers in Heidi High. Uh, <laughs> Maybe, don't know. I haven't <laughs> watched it in a long time. <laughs> So they're all having a great time on holiday. I mean, obviously, well, I say great time. I mean, Agnes is having not having the best of times because she'd she'd stashed a bottle of bells in her suitcase, but Gary, sneaky little fucker, took it out. So she's resorted to tanning Sergeant Smiley's stash (laughs) on the sly. And for someone who's evidently a raging alky, as they explain multiple times throughout, she's got a hell of a hangover the next morning. I I know. You think she'd be used to it. And then Gary, the way Gary breaks
1: the... The news about Agnes's problem to Joe. Well, Anne and
0: Gary are telling her, and Gary's like, Yeah, she's got a chronic problem. <laughs> <laughs> Gary's got other things on his mind He's just had <laughs> yeah. his hole the night before All he can think about is able-bodied Andrews So he's just, yeah, whatever Get this out of the way um, Joe does seem very concerned, of course But then, yeah, then off they go To chop logs, which ends up with Joe having a heart attack But yeah, uh, And then two quite unusual, quite
1: weird kind of things happen So Agnes has a sort of uh, therapy session with mm. a computer Which mm-hmm. is happy to hear Her life story Which which obviously turns into something else In the third act And then Anne uh, is selected for military service But in order to qualify She has to kill a rabbit By pressing a button Mm. And then it's never clear If she's pressed it and it turned out that, that it was never going to kill the rabbit. They just wanted to see if she would do it or if she didn't press it because she couldn't do it because then obviously they're interrupted by the news that when Gary bursts in to say that Joe's had a heart attack in the log chopping
0: competition. <laughs> I thought that she did press it because I thought she she presses it and then that's when it cuts to Joe having the heart attack. And then it cuts back with Gary running in and you can see the rabbit is still alive. But Anne's in yeah. tears because she's she has pushed the button Yeah. I think she's in tears because she's like, I can't believe I just did that. But the the little bunny's still alive. It was all a test.
1: We we should have known that able-bodied Andrews wouldn't willfully kill a sweet little bunny. We should have known. No,
0: no. She seems like a lovely woman, so... No, she wouldn't have done that. But as you say, maybe Anne should have recorder literate in her profile because it was her recorder playing that wakes Joe up from his coma. Yeah. So miraculously, I mean, you often hear of these coma patients that someone will go in and play their favourite song to them and they'll they'll wake up out of their coma. But yeah, with Joe, it's, it's Anne's recorder playing. I presume he woke up to tell her to shut the fuck up and <laughs> stop playing that fucking <laughs> recorder.
1: Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe he's woken up and thought that he was in Mayfield, the seventh circle of Dante's hell, <laughs> near, <laughs> near, near Dalkeith. Yeah, mate. Like the whole, like the whole third act. I mean, like you, obviously, when Joe has his heart attack, and you know, G- Gary's been fairly indifferent and well, you know, and unpleasant towards his dad for most of it. Mm. You know, he always calling him a dinosaur and. You know, like uh, I mean, when when he comes in late from the club in the first act, and Joe sort of like taps him on the shoulder or something, and Gary's like, "Oh, always, yeah." You just resort to violence. I'm like, "Come on, that's not violence." I mean, he he finds out what violence is a few minutes later. But then, obviously, when when Joe has the heart attack, he's "Oh, my dad, my dad," and you know, they've they're sort of bonded over the work. And Gary's lighter because he's evidently lost his virginity to able-bodied Andrews who I'm sure has taken a few virginities in her career and um, yeah you say he's a he's a new man he's more sensitive and emotional he values his father and then when like you say when we end up back in the in the kind of dismal bunker apartment uh, for the last sort of 10 minutes of the 10-15 minutes with Joe coming around from his heart attack. The holiday has done them
0: all the world again they've all changed Yeah, every single one of them, and they're all so much better off for their experience. So, as you say, I mean, Gary's a—he's a different man now because he's—he's a a man. Yeah, he seems a lot easier going with. He's—he's emptied his sack, so it's. That's not worrying him anymore. So he's fine. Yeah. Um, Agnes, the mum, is a completely different person because she's now regularly going to the computer for therapy. And I think that's a wonderful message that this conveys. Traced in 1982. You know, th- this wouldn't look out of place today. The message being, if you've got a problem or someone's worrying you, talk to someone. Yeah, talk to a Get it off robot. your chest. <laughs> you'll feel a lot better. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Talk, I know she is talking to a computer, but it, it's a value. And and she obviously felt that she couldn't speak to Joe about it and she couldn't speak to her kids about her issue, but she's okay speaking to a computer, which uh, just even talking to someone gets it off her chest. And and she's, uh, she's cooking again, you know, as, as Joe earlier says, when they're speaking about dinner and she says, well, we'll just punch out a pizza. Mm. And uh, he's, Says he'd give anything for a plate of scotch broth. But she's back on the cooking. She's making scotch broth. It's, it's lucky that... Because she was obviously making the broth before Joe woke up from his coma. Yeah. So maybe it was the smell of that that woke him as well. But yeah, it's lucky he woke up on that day that she was making the broth. It's, it's just too bad that Anne put 100 weight of salt <laughs> in the soup. She
1: fucked then, it, and, didn't she? And then Agnes does Yeah, she fucked it. Agnes did a weird <laughs> thing. She, um... She said, because she comes back to the pot and she says, I bet Anne never put any salt in this soup. Why would you not taste it to see? She just assumes, wax yeah. more salt in. And then poor Joe, you know, he's, he's gone through the, the trauma of having a heart attack, almost losing his life. He wakes up at home. To the smell of scotch... Well, he's had to endure some more recorder playing, but then he wait- the, the smell of scotch broth. Can't wait for it. The final wind salt. Tastes like shit because there's too much salt in it.
0: Well, and plus, that's not going to be good for his arteries if he's just a <laughs> heart attack. That was my thought. Is she actually trying to off him? Yeah. A little more salt in it. Yeah, as you say, one, why wouldn't you taste it? You always taste your soup before you add salt or anything to it. Yeah. Two... It's not like they live in a fucking mansion. Anne's literally in the next room. She could probably just shout, Anne, have you salted a soup? And she would hear her and mm-hmm. shout back, yes, mum, I have. Okay, there we go. Crisis averted. Everyone can enjoy their scotch bro. <laughs> no one's got to eat this salty dishwater that you're <laughs> going to be serving up. Agnes will be so annoyed with that, she'll be back on the bottle because yeah. she'll be raging with that. I mean, the thing about soup, I mean I'm not a big fan
1: of soup as i have discussed before, but my grandfather, he he always had his soup really watery. You know what I mean? Like he would he would strain all the vegetables out and just mm. have the sort of hot vegetable water. It's okay. weird. He, he was he was fussy, my granda. Um he was really fussy with what he ate, but um, yeah, I, I, Agnes. But she's she's got her computer to fall back on. You know what I mean? She's got her new relationship there, like that like you said. This disembodied voice that wants to hear all her problems. And um, she's done her hair as well. She looks. She's done her mm-hmm. hair. She looks quite nice and glamorous. And um, it's. Uh, yeah, it all, it all seems to have kind of worked. Apart from the soup, it all seems to have worked out well. You know, Anne's mind's been broadened. Gary's mind's obviously been broadened, probably the most. I feel a like bit sorry for Joe though because wait, what what happens to him after now? He, he you know he's obviously he's got to watch what he's doing because he's hard. He can't mm. go in the weights anymore. He'll have to watch what he's eating and drinking. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a sad end for. Eh, for poor old Joe.
0: Yeah, well, I think it'll be a novelty for a while because he's been told to take it easy, but obviously he'll have his family rallying around him for the next few days because he's just woken up. But then the novelty's going to wear off. And you're like, oh, Dad, can you not fucking get it yourself? Like, you know, it's been a week. (laughs) I know know you've had a heart attack, but it's been a week. Go and get it yourself. Um, I can't be arsed. And then before you know, he's back in the armchair, off in one of his duams. Yeah. And... Back to square one
1: Yeah Yeah So I think it's probably time To put the nuclear family Through Swally Awards A bit of an unusual one To kick off the year I'm glad I watched it To be honest uh, it's, an, it's on YouTube I think in five parts So It's only It's only about an hour long So if anybody Fancies going back And watching it <laughs> Um
0: by all means, it's there. It's I'll put me. a link in the podcast description, so you can find at least the first episode.
1: So, for new listeners, every we put um, uh, everything that we review through our sort uh, Swally Awards slash categories. Our first one is the Ewan McGregor
0: Award for Gratuitous Nudity. Only one choice here, really, isn't there? I mean, it's only a little bit of side boob, but it still counts. <laughs> it's. I mean, could you see a nipple? I don't know. I d- the... The quality of the, <laughs> it, the broadcast was shocking. It was quite grainy. I couldn't tell if it was a shadow or if it was an actual nipple, but it's able-bodied Andrews for a little boob,
1: isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's worth saying, uh, if you are going to watch The Nuclear Family on um, YouTube, the version that's on there, it there's a bit of uh, BBC continuity at the beginning before it starts. It's clear... It, it feels like it's clearly been taped off the telly in 1982. So somebody's hmm. held on to that. Someone's um, held on to that VHS for years and then, you know, stuck it on YouTube. I mean, these people deserve to be recognised and rewarded because without them, we wouldn't have any sponsors for the, for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and we wouldn't have been able to do this episode. Our second award, so James Cosmo, obviously very, very... Uh, famous Scottish actor, and IMDB, as long as your arm seems to pop up in almost everything Scottish, which he certainly used to, Maybe I think he's probably slowing down a wee bit now because I'm sure he's getting on, but the James mm. Cosmo Award for being in everything Scottish. So I I sort of split this. Um, I gave it to Gerard Kelly and Jimmy Logan because there's not really any oh. prolific people in there. Who did you give it to?
0: I gave it to Anne Scott-Jones. Uh did you really? For our take the high roads, and uh, she's been in a few things, right? She's been in Barney Thompson. She's been in Barney Thompson. She's been in Maggie. Uh, yeah. She was in Local Hero. She's in the High Life. She's in the High um, Life. Yeah. She's in Restless Natives. She's in Taggart. She's in High Road. She's in Strath Blair. I gave it to her because if you look at her back catalogue, it is pretty much mostly Scottish. And whereas she, Jimmy Logan yeah. and Gerard Kelly have done a lot of things yeah. in England, and so I I went with her just because her dedication to, to Scotland. Yeah, that's a better choice.
1: Okay, so the next one is our Jake McQuillan Award. So Jake, Jake McQuillan plays the main protagonist in Down Among the... Uh, just a Boys game, I should say, which is one of the first episodes of The Swally We Did way back in 2020. Way back in 2020. So the award is the <laughs> Jake McQuillan Zoot Award. Think, again, there's only really one choice. I think it's when Joe gives Garia those of the Malky for being... Insolent, yeah, and he deserves it.
0: So he does deserve I'm fully it. behind Joe. Yeah, that's good. Good punch from Joe. All those weights have been paying off.
1: Yeah. Um. Our next award is the Francis Begbie Award for
0: swearing. There's not really any swearing. Did you find something for this? There's there's one. Right. I mean, I I think Gary does say crap at one point, which obviously okay. we won't count as swearing. No. But there's one from Sergeant Smiley, and it's when he's speaking about work. And he says it will be bloody awful. Mm. Bloody, not really a swear word. I mean, he doesn't say cunt or anything. But I I think bloody is as hard as you get in this. Maybe swearing's been outlawed in 1999. Yeah. I mean, I I
1: feel like I've heard Peppa Pig say bloody. It doesn't seem like a swear word anymore. (laughs) You know. Okay. Um, Well,
0: there you go. No swearing then.
1: Yeah. Uh, Certainly not the no cunt leaves till we find out what cunt does it. Uh, what cunt did it level of swearing anyway archetypal scottish moment so i didn't i couldn't really think of a moment as such but there's there's a bit of dialogue my favorite one was when the when joe and agnes are in beds after joe's had the conversation with gary um and obviously surprised that he's not chasing after women and he says when i explained that birds meant lassies And I thought, that's quite Scottish. But the other one I had is when Joe and Gary's uh, quarters at the installation are described as bothy class.
0: (laughs) Ah. I like that. (laughs) What did you have? Um, I just went with Joe saying that he would give anything for a plate of Scotch broth.
1: Yeah, that's quite Scottish. Um, And then, so our Sean Connery Award. Obviously, Scotland's, certainly Scotland's most famous actor. Um, that we've ever had up until now we have we call his award the who got to go home and fuck the prom queen awards after his line in the rock um otherwise we, we, we sometimes call it who won who won the the movie or the show or whatever so who, who, did, who did you give it to
0: i went with the family as a whole because oh, right. they all slashed gary for getting his hole but <laughs> i think that the family as a whole because they all seem to be in a better place After their holiday, and they're in a better place than they were in the beginning. I mean, if you're giving it to an actor, I don't know. They're all equally as bad as each other. They are a bit wobbly. Yeah. I mean,
1: I was going to give it to Jimmy Logan just because the sort of gravitas of who he, you know, who he was back then when this came Mm -hmm. out, and you know, he does seem to kind of really commit to it. Well, I think, you know, mm. Gerard Gerard Kelly, it feels like he's just sort of walking through it. Uh Lizzie Radford, who plays Anne, she you know, it feels like it's maybe one of her first gigs. She she seems mm. to have packed acting in after 1984. And she had a run in Take the High Roads. There's nothing in her IMDB beyond that. Um so maybe she maybe she decided to get married or change career or something, I don't know. Um and mm. she's a bit wooden in it. Uh uh I suppose Anne Scott Jones is quite good in it. So she is. I especially, I especially like it when she tells Anne to stop playing the fucking recorder, although she doesn't say it like that, obviously. But um, <laughs>
0: she probably moment. has the most range in it, though, because she is trying to be the doting mother, but also she's yeah. fighting demons. And you do see a couple of scenes when she is doing that. Yeah. And then she has that scene when she's in the bunk beds with Anne and she's reading the Bible. And then she's like, oh, I need a drink and yeah. runs off. So, yeah. Yeah. I think actually Anne Scott Jones probably deserves it yeah, in terms of who delivered the best performance.
1: Yeah, well, well, I think we should give it to Anne. I think you're right. All right, so, perfect. So,
0: so that's a nuclear
1: family, as we said before. It's all we, yeah. we'll, we'll put the link in the description to the podcast if you want to check it out for yourself.
0: Yeah, it's a bit of a strange one, but interesting yeah. nonetheless. So, I don't know yeah. if I would recommend it highly, but. It's, it's worth a view if you've got it's an hour to kill and nothing else to do. Yeah, so that was my choice to kick off the new year, Greg. So it's your choice on The Swally next time. So what are we going to be looking at next time on The Swally? Well, I chose a play
1: as well for the next one. Mm. Not a play for tomorrow, but a play for today. But today being 1972. Um, so I've chosen Peter McDougall's John Mitchell and Billy Connolly. Uh, Starring just another Saturday We'll have to tiptoe Our way through the conversation because it's About uh, the day of an orange Walk in Glasgow back in the 1970s But um, an interesting Show and we'll have lots To talk about so I'm looking forward to Reviewing it with you in the next episode
0: Fantastic oh well look forward to that Yeah okay I'm sure we'll manage to Ah fuck it we won't tiptoe around the orange walk It's fine we'll just say whatever we want (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll be editing
1: out accidentally controversial comments or insensitive comments, but that's, you know, we can do that. We have the power.
0: Well, thank you very much. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed the show and if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can. You can follow us on Instagram at CulturesWallyPod or you can follow us on Twitter at SwallyPod or you can email us with anything that you'd like us to review or any news stories that you've seen that you think we'd like us to cover or, or just get in touch and say hello on on cultureswally at gmail.com. And please feel free to leave us a rating, a review, subscribe on iTunes, tell your friends. Anything you can do It really helps the podcast grow And Greg I think we'll we'll be having A new website shortly as well Yeah We'll we'll have a new blog
1: uh, Shortly I've set it up I haven't put it online yet So I'm still Refining it a little bit But um, I'll put the Link to it On our Twitter And our Instagram In the next week or so You can come and check us out In there And we'll give you the The actual address On the next episode Culture Swallow. Wonderful Right I'm off to go and do my weights (laughs) I'm off to go and put a pizza, which is not a euphemism, but it definitely should be.
0: <laughs> Fantastic! <laughs> all right, Greg. Well, thank you very much. Until next time. Until next time. Going out yourself tonight, Father? Ah, I thought I might just go down to the pub for a couple of pints to relieve the monotony. Naughty, naughty. <laughs> if I sit around here much longer, I'll go senile before my time. Oh, don't drink too much. Know how it makes you feel afterwards, and how much it costs. That's all right. Don't worry, I won't be gone for long. And Gary, remember, same thing with you. Straight home tonight after the club. No lightning. Don't be out in the streets after dark. You hear me? Yes, Dad, I hear you. Well then, remember, let's not have a repeat of last week's carry-on.